If you're still struggling with life in the real world, you're going to love our latest home speaker device. Hey, Dad, what kind of pliers should I use on this? Uh, you should be using a wrench. Oh, do I have a wrench? You have three. Ah, thanks, Dad. Introducing the Dad Personal Assistant, our newest smart speaker with all the character and compassion of a father. Up and at him, it's a beautiful day. Dad, it's Saturday. Yeah, it's a great day to get outside. It's 6 a.m. Well, then you better get moving before it gets any later. Designed with advanced features, the Dad PA connects to all your other smart home devices. Dad, please set the thermostat to 70 degrees. No problem. Setting the thermostat to 68 degrees. Um, no, let's keep it at 70 degrees. Sure thing. Thanks, Dad. We're going to save so much money. He syncs with your calendar to help you stay on track. Looks like you're overdue for an oil change. Oh, hey, you're right. Can you schedule one for Friday? I've already got it scheduled. Just don't miss it, okay? (laughs) Okay, I won't. (laughs) Seriously, don't miss it. The Dad PA is always watching out for you. Lights on. Uh, Hey, it's getting late. I think it's about time for Brad to head home. uh, Dad? The Dad Personal Assistant includes a wealth of knowledge and opinions on a wide variety of subjects. Dad, can you help me with my taxes? Dad, do you know a good mechanic? Hey, Dad, can you tell me a joke? Sure. The joke is one billion dollars. I don't get it. That's right. And you never will. Ah, nice one. (laughs) Oh, I'm hilarious. Based on God's original design, the Dad Personal Assistant is wise, caring, faithful, and devoted. Don't worry. You've got this. You are the strongest person I know. You have made me so proud. You are God's child, and you don't need anyone else to complete you. Especially not Brad. Really, Dad? I'm just saying, there's other fish in the sea. Okay, wow. The Dad Personal Assistant. Always thoughtful, always dependable, and always there for you. All right, if you could turn the lights on. So we want to do something like we did for Mother's Day where you have a chance and an opportunity to come up and say something about your father. You do not have to be a kid. If you've had a dad that has impacted your life in a way that's helped raise you in the fear and the love of the Lord, we'd like to hear from you. So I'm going to let my son start first. He has no idea. Good job. You are voluntold. Voluntold. Go for it. Okay, I'm not, I'm not great with words, but uh, there's my dad right there. He's awesome. Um, I love and appreciate him more than I can, more than I can explain. Um, he's always been there for me for, you know, for the good and bad. Um, you know, he reads the Bible to me, like, almost every night, and it's great to have that uh, fellowship with him. So, yeah. Good job. He had no idea I was going to do that. Who's next? Colby. Kevin Bolin told you. <laughs> okay, but we need a little bit of a line. So seriously, you don't have to have, you don't have to be a teen. We'd love to hear how your dad has impacted your life after Colby. My dad's great. Um, it just, whenever I have a question, it's always easy to come to him to get the answer for it. Like there, like yeah, there's just some things that only dads can answer for you, only dads can help you with, and it's just amazing to have one that's so amazing and is always uh, a role model in your life, always working hardest to achieve the goals that uh, he has set in mind and someone who's a role model for you to follow, someone who you can look up to. (laughs) 
Hello, my name's Troy. Of course, my dad is right there, Bob. Everybody knows Bob. Um, influence in my life, definitely. Uh, well, without him, I wouldn't be here, so I'm thankful for that, of course. Um, but also, uh, uh, the things in my life that, uh, that have been there for me to, when I need some advice, when I need help, when I need uh, advice, uh, my dad is always there. And, um, and he's a wonderful man, and I'm, I'm really thankful that, uh, that he's my neighbor also. <laughs> and uh, he has a backhoe. And, uh, and, but uh, the jokes aside, um, uh, I, it is very uh, uh, important in my life that I have my father that uh, uh, I can go to any, at any time. So thanks, Dad. I love you. Um, I love my dad a lot because he has provided so much for our family um, and just the people around him. So, yeah, I'm really thankful for you. Congratulations for 13 years of putting up with me. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, uh, I want to say thank you for all the help with math because I know I can be a bit of a pain sometimes. Um, he's always there for me, helping when I need it, asking questions when I need it, answering my questions, and sometimes making me laugh when I need it as well. Thank you. Hi, I was blessed at the age of 23 being brought into an honorary family, and my dad, Louis Bickford, Earl Bickford, um, is in heaven. And that is an amazing, wonderful thing because he was the ultimate picture of a godly man. And I just want to thank all the dads that may not be here for the people that are thinking of them today. And thank you for the men that are here and are trying to be godly men. My name is Mike. My father passed away 11 years ago. I told myself I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> he was my hero. He always has been. We used to sit when I was younger and, and talk about the things that he did. Um, World War II, he was a fighter pilot. Um, there were so many things that he gave up for me. For my sisters, um, gave up careers, gave up money to make sure that we had a wonderful life. I was blessed to grow up in what I call the golden age of the U.S., and he was part of that. He was the foundation of that. And I talk to him all the time. I thank him for being there for me. I love you, Dad. I miss you. For any of you that don't know, my husband is an amazing stepfather to my two sons, and they couldn't be here today because they're with their other parent in Washington, 
but they would both be so angry at me if I didn't say, we love you, Daddy David, and you're a turd. <laughs> so I actually had a terrible father, um, and I really struggled to understand what God's love looked like because I didn't have it for myself. Um, and so one of the things that I had struggled with in my walk with Christ was, God, I don't understand, um, I don't understand your love because I didn't have a dad. Um, and, and God went to extreme lengths to show me his love for me. And then he actually brought a physical father into my life, a man who said, it just looks like you need a dad and I want to be your dad. And so not only um, did God show me what his love felt like just from him personally, but then he also gifted me with an amazing adopted father um, who loves the Lord more than anything and truly just lets God's love flow through him um, and loves me like his own. And so it's also helped me to just understand um, the adoption that we have into, um, into God's family, that we are his precious children. So. I just wanted to say thank you for my, um, to my dad because he works long and hard to provide for our family. And then on Saturdays and Sundays when he's allowed to come home and hang out with us, it's not just I'm going to go eat salsa and chips on the couch, I'm going to go work in the orchard. <laughs> it's He's nonstop working all the time, and it's just so amazing to see how he puts up with it. He has so much patience with us because I know he can be a bit of a pain in the butt. <laughs> um, he's just so great and so amazing, and um, it's a miracle that he hasn't kicked me out of the house for locking myself out of my iPad too many times. <laughs> that was good. Might take a little bit more than that. <laughs> well, um, I want to uh, say about my dad that uh, years and years ago, um, when he would come to visit from Texas, they live here now, but um, I would just happen to, like in conversation, just say something like, Oh, my vegetable pillar broke. I'm going to have to get me another one. And then the next thing I know, I look on the dining table and there's a vegetable peeler there. And that just happened over and over again. And it was such a good picture of the Lord, how he hears our every cry and every whisper, and he wants to provide for us. And I'm thankful for that picture of God, the Father, that my dad provided, even though he didn't know the Lord then. And then I also want to brag on my husband. And, um, okay, <laughs> this week I had a phone call from one of my kids, and he said, Mom, I just want to let you know, I, I think I really want him to call David and tell him this, but he said uh, when David was brought into our life, he couldn't have been the most perfect person to enter our life during that time, and um, he said he just really appreciates him as a stepfather because David has embraced our, my children um, along with his own, just as they are his his children. And so when we talk about our kids, we talk about our kids. You know, they're all of our kids. And um, and that child that called me this week recognized that and, and showed so much appreciation. And then um, also Jacqueline, who's here today with us, um, she said he told me this morning that how much um, he appreciated your words of affirmation last night, I guess, of of uh, just appreciation for her father. And I just want to brag on David, and I really hope that he listens to this sermon if this is included, because <laughs> he would not like me talking about him right now. So, if David, if you can come on up. <laughs> 
Happy Father's Day. I don't get up here and talk very much. It's probably a good thing because I could talk every one of you people to death. Anyway, I wanted uh, to tell you, uh, my father uh, passed away back in, I think it was in December of 2011. He was a Vietnam vet, and uh, he died of the uh, cancer they got over there. But uh, uh, on a pause note, I didn't really know my dad real well growing up. We didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. He was uh, working for the government and was gone a lot. But the times we did get to be with him and spend time, it was inspirational. But after he passed away, I kept thinking to myself, well, that's not fair. I don't have a dad. How am I supposed to learn how to become one? Well, I learned how to become a dad by watching other men, godly men, who were doing it right way and doing it God's way. So you men have inspired me to be a good dad, and I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Anybody else? Yes. Oh. Get through there. Okay, so um, what would kill me if I didn't come up here? Um, because I want to say about how our Father in Heaven is a Father of restoration. And because of Will knowing and both of us knowing the love of our Father, Will has... <laughs> there he is, and he has the same shirt on in an airport, by the way. <laughs> He's with y'all in spirit. Um, so he right now is on his way home from meeting his daughter for the first time. Uh, last time he saw her, she was six months old. So because of the grace of the father, he is now able to be a father to his daughter. And um, she has nothing. She said, can I call you dad? And so I just wanted to share that with y'all. Thank you. So first goes out to my grandpa, Vessie, and my grandpa, Vrutevelt. Unfortunately, both the starboard buttheads are no longer with us. Next is to my best friend, my dad. He was there when my mom had to work. My dad would always be home, and he was my best friend. I mean, we would go driving up in the mountains, and our words were, we didn't want to come back out. We never wanted to come back out of those mountains, but happy Father's Day, Dad. I wanted to say something about our neighbor, Jim. He has, his father is still alive, and he's in his 60s. So I'm probably pretty sure that he is blessed to have a father that's still alive. Awesome. Yeah, so all of you that are in your 60s, good job. <laughs> all right. Um, all of the kids that are going downstairs, you guys can head that way. And happy Father's Day. Sorry for the prank. Not sorry. Well, good morning. Am I on? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, I'll just say a little bit about my dad since uh, you guys had the opportunity. Um, I didn't really know my dad growing up. We didn't have a relationship. 
He uh, left my mom when I was uh, one year old. But, you know, by God's grace, our Heavenly Father's grace, uh, he reestablished that relationship, I don't know, maybe a decade ago. And I love my dad. I tell you, it's a, it's a blessing to have this relationship with him, even though I didn't really know him growing up. And, um, but I know him now. And my, my dad is preaching the Word of God every week. And uh, I look up to him so much, and it's an incredible blessing just to speak to him because it's as if the past was never the past. I mean, when we talk, it's like it's on. And uh, we can talk the Lord all day long, and I just love it. And only God can do that. So praise God. Thank you so much for all of you. Happy Father's Day to each and every dad in here today. And um, it's a special Father's Day for me personally because a month ago I was a father of one. And today is my first Father's Day as a father of two, of both a son and a daughter. So, yeah. So praise the Lord. But we do want to honor all fathers today. Happy Father's Day. And uh, no Father's Day would ever be complete without us remembering the greatest father of all, our Heavenly Father. And He is a good father. In fact, He is uniquely good. He's unlike anyone who's ever lived or will ever live on this earth. His goodness is unequaled, it's unparalleled, and it's unprecedented. There is no one who can even come close. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 19, that only God is truly good. But what makes him so good? Well, for starters, God only creates good. We can read in Genesis how God created this world and everything in it. And at the end of each day that he created, he said, and it was good. And after he created the first man and woman, he looked around at everything he had created and he said, it is very good. Whatever God creates, it is good. God's original design and plan was all good. And that was all we were to ever know and to experience was good. But we know the story what happened when Adam and Eve made the choice to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we can thank Satan for that because he is the great deceiver. But he wasn't always that way. He was once one of the most beautiful and magnificent of all of God's angels. But because of his pride, he made the choice to turn against God. So here's some real simple theology that will help all of us make sense out of every situation we encounter. God is good, and Satan is bad. Now, I told you it was really simple, right? Good things come from God, and bad things come from Satan and man's sinful nature. It really isn't any more complicated than that. And yet Satan will try to layer in all kinds of worldly wisdom to overcomplicate matters every time guaranteed jesus calls him the father of lies because there is no truth in him if we stay focused on god if we will just focus on his truth the father of all that is good then we won't be deceived by satan who is the father of lies and all that is evil jesus sums it up very well for us in john chapter 10 verse 10 when he says this he says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You see, Satan is a thief. He's a liar and he's a destroyer. 
And he wants nothing more than to turn our attention away from our good father. But our good father is the one who gives us life. He is. And he is the one who wants to give us a good life, an abundant life. So, Father, since this is your special day, how can we have this abundant life? How can we have the abundant life that Jesus promises us here? Well, the answer is in Psalm 128, verses 1 through 4. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 128 together. If you don't, we've got Bibles here on the shelf. You can follow along on the screen or your mobile device. This is the answer right here. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine, flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. These verses are the key to living that abundant life that Jesus promised to us in John chapter 10, verse 10. And these verses are also the blueprint for how to be a good father. And notice how these verses start and end. They start and end with the fear of the Lord. This is exactly what we've been talking about in our current message series for the last two weeks. And as I sat down to prepare this message for Father's Day, it was so very interesting to me how I was so intent on wanting to pause the message series so that we could have a special Father's Day message. And here is the fear of the Lord right smack in our faces once again. So let's walk through this together. Joyful are those who fear the Lord. Last week, we talked about why the fear of the Lord is important. And we see right here again that one of the reasons that it's important is because we will be full of joy. Now, the New King James actually renders this verse as blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. So being blessed and being joyful are fruits from the fear of the Lord. They are what happens when we have the fear of the Lord. And this is what leads to the abundant life that Jesus promised. Now, the second part of this verse is actually telling us what is the fear of the Lord. You can see it right here in the second part of this verse. It is to follow his ways. Now, the psalmist could have used this interchangeably. He could have said, how joyful are those who follow his ways. That's the fear of the Lord, boiling it down to its simplicity. And we're going to unpack that even more next week as we conclude our series on the fear of the Lord. We're going to answer that question, right? Is how do we fear the Lord in our everyday life but it comes down to following his ways that's really what it's about here now verse one begins with the fear of the lord and verse four ends with the same thing so what you've got going on here is you've got a fear of the lord sandwich and right in the middle in the middle is the meat right and that meat is speaking right to us fathers today so fathers if you fear the lord i want you to watch what happens verse two you will enjoy the fruit of your labor. This is significant because the fear of the Lord is what reverses the curse from Genesis chapter 3 that resulted from the sin of Adam and Eve. You may remember that God said to Adam that because you ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, the ground is cursed because of you, and all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. But we see right here in this verse, in verse 2, the curse is reversed for those who fear the Lord because you will enjoy the fruit of your labor. 
and be joyful and prosperous. Isn't that awesome? Come on, that is awesome right there. It reverses the curse. Now, verse 3 is what makes this whole passage obvious that the focus is on fathers. Now, if you fear the Lord, verse 3, your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Husbands, how many of you want your wives to flourish in your home? Every, every man's hand ought to be up. Yeah. Then fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. And if you fear the Lord, watch this, verse 4, your children will be like young, vigorous olive trees. In other words, if you fear the Lord, your family, your entire family will thrive because that is the blessing to those who fear the Lord. Now, I'm going to give us fathers three practical ways on how we can live this out in our lives. How can we live out the fear of the Lord in our lives? I'm going to give that to you. Three things that a father must do. Number one is to love. Love is the first practical way that we as fathers can walk out our faith. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, that we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for others, for our entire family. Because love is all about self-sacrifice. But this is completely the opposite of what the world teaches today. Worldly love revolves around self, and it's all about what we can get. Biblical love, on the other hand, revolves around others, and it's all about what we can give. Worldly love is consumed with self-interest. How can I be fulfilled? How can I be satisfied? And how can I be happy? Biblical love is selfless, and it's sacrificial. And it's consumed with how can I fulfill others? How can I satisfy others? How can I make others happy? Biblical love gives without any expectation of receiving anything in return. Worldly love is always desire something in return, no matter how cleverly we try to hide it. Worldly love is shallow, and it often looks at the outside, what's on the outside. Biblical love, on the other hand, is more concerned about what's on the inside. Worldly love will say love is a feeling, but feelings change. They come and they go. Feelings are easily influenced by what we can get and how we feel because feelings often lie, and they are a great avenue for the enemy to hijack our faith. So while worldly love will define love based on our feelings, biblical love is not based on our feelings at all. It's based solely upon who God is. And God is love. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 2 says, We are to imitate God in everything we do, and we are to live a life filled with love. Now you might be thinking, whoa, hang on, wait a minute. I can't measure up to that standard. Or you might be thinking of all kinds of excuses that you could justify yourself and why you can't do that. Perhaps you just don't feel like it, or perhaps the person that you're trying to love just doesn't seem very lovable, or they're unresponsive to your efforts. Listen, love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. Love is unconditional. It's not based on how someone responds to us. Our job is not to love to receive something back our job is to love period when jesus died on the cross for us it was the ultimate display of love in action 
and none of us deserved it. That was real love. So let me ask you, is that how you love? Is that how you love? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. This isn't optional. This isn't a recommendation or a sound piece of advice. This is a command. Love your wife. Lay down your life for her, just as Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. You see those two words, just as. That's a pretty high bar for us to, me- to measure up to, isn't it? But that's the standard. Now, Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, takes us all a little bit further. It takes it a little bit further because it says, Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. We are to never treat them harshly. Jesus never treated his bride harshly. His bride is the church. He never did. He loved her. He served her, and he laid down his life for her. That's our standard. Men, that's what we should strive for right there. And this is so very important. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 tells us why this is important. Treat her, meaning your wife, as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Men, if you ever feel like God is not listening to you, or your prayers don't seem like they're going anywhere, I would encourage you to check out how you're treating your wife. We are to love her just as Christ loved the church. So we talked about how to love our wives. Let's move on and talk about how are we to love our children. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This is a command for us as a father. This doesn't mean that we set the rules and then we only casually enforce them or we expect our wives to do it all. It's our job. I love how Josh McDowell puts this. He says, rules without relationship is rebellion. It's what it does. It brings rebellion. And we as fathers cannot come around haphazardly and enforce the rules or try to lay down some sort of discipline without any real relationship. Being around and being involved is critical. Our children don't need a father who's perfect. They need a father who's present. Kids spell love as T-I-M-E. We have to invest our time in them. It's our job. It's our job to teach them and instruct them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's our job. This passage is aimed solely at fathers. That's our responsibility. We cannot be checked out when it comes to our kids because that is not loving them. Every time we check out, we're in effect not loving them. Don't believe me? Watch this. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24 says, Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. This is incredibly strong, isn't it? If we don't discipline our children, we are hating them, the word says. If we love them, then we care enough to discipline them, right? You men with me so far? I know this is tough, man. This is tough. Now let's come back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. We should love when we discipline our children. 
But we've got to be careful about how we do it. We don't blow up them. We don't blow up, right, in this huge tirade and just word vomit all over them. That's not the answer. We don't treat them harshly. It's no different than how you treat your wife. The Bible tells us not to treat our wives harshly. We're not to treat our children harshly either because we don't want to provoke them to anger. Again, this goes back to being present and having a loving relationship with them because if we love them with biblical love, then we're not going to fly off the handle at them. Right? Amen? (laughs) All right. If we love them with biblical love, we're going to give them the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And we're going to do it in a way that's focused on changing the heart. Because if we change the heart, that is what's going to change the behavior. But if we're not present as we should be, we may be tempted to try to go after the behavior instead of going after the heart behind the behavior. Discipline is really about us training our children. It's about training them to live a godly life. Instruction, or as some translations use the word admonition, that refers to correcting or providing any word of encouragement to what? To build them up, not to tear them down, not to provoke them to anger. So we as fathers are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and we are to love our children by bringing them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. The second thing that we fathers must do is we must listen. We've got to listen. Men, if you don't think this is an issue, ask your wife. <laughs> Me included. I've heard so many times someone say something like this. I just wish I could hear from the Lord. Or, I just don't know what to do. I wish the Lord would speak to me. I've said that many times myself. The question is not whether the Lord is speaking. The question is, the real question is, are we listening? Are we listening? Let me ask you, when was the last time that you got away from everything and everyone just to be alone with the Lord? When was the last time that you tried to just listen to him instead of pouring out your laundry list of things that you want him to do? When we're the ones speaking, we're not, we don't hear very well. Sometimes we need to just keep this closed and keep these open. Amen? There's a reason we got two of these. Only one of those. Jesus took Peter, James, and John. It was his inner circle. And he took them to the high mountain to be alone. And once they got there, Jesus' appearance was transfigured. It was transformed. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light, whiter than any bleach could ever make him here on earth. And then a cloud appeared over, and this voice from the cloud said this, Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. There is so much noise in this world, so many things that demand our attention. What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Listening starts with Jesus. We should be listening to him above and beyond anything and everyone else. We listen to him first. Husbands, this is especially important for us. Always listen to the Lord before you listen to anything or anyone else. Now, our listening problem, and it is a problem, 
It all started with Adam in the Garden of Eden. The Lord gave Adam the responsibility of taking care of and watching over the garden. And the Lord said that he could have the fruit of any tree in the garden except one. You guys know the story. But do you remember what happened immediately after Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree that the Lord specifically told Adam not to eat from? The Lord said this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. He said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Now, does this mean that we shouldn't listen to our wives? Of course not. It does not mean that we shouldn't listen to our wives. Not at all. But it does mean that we've got to get our listening in the right order. God was very clear to Adam about what he should and should not do. The problem wasn't that he listened to his wife. The problem was that he listened to his wife over the Lord. That was the problem. We can't ever let anything or anyone get between us and the Lord. We must listen to him first. There are plenty of things that speak to us every day. Our families, our friends, our co-workers, the TV, the radio, the internet. The world in general and the noise in it is deafening at times. We must always listen to the Lord above everything. What has he said? Am I listening to him? I can't tell you how many times the Lord has used my wife to speak directly to me. So I'm not saying here that you don't listen to your wives. I'm just saying that you listen to the Lord first. And we do that by spending time with him in his word. So are you? Are you spending time in his word? Because if you're not, then you're not listening to him. That's the primary way that he speaks is through his word. And so we've got to be in his word so we actually can hear from him. Now, another important aspect to our listening is that we should listen to understand, not to respond. Listening is a skill, and it takes practice. But the key to listening is focusing on understanding. Too often, many of us are focused on what we want to say next. We're formulating our words in our minds, so we're ready. As soon as they stop talking, whoop, we can jump in there and say what we want to say. And when we do that, we don't listen very well. We need to listen to understand, not to respond. Now, when it comes to listening, we need to listen to the Lord first above anything and everyone. And then we need to listen to understand, not to respond. The third thing that a father must do is lead. So we first need to love, we second need to listen, and the third thing is we need to lead. Men, this is our God-given responsibility. We are to lead our families. We are the ones who are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of our home. It's our job. It's not the wife's job to lead. Unfortunately, the world has hijacked the true order of the family. However, the Bible is so very clear on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says, The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 says, For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. Now, this does not mean that men are better than women or that husbands should dominate their wives. It doesn't mean that at all. As a matter of fact, if we were to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says that wives are actually equal partners with husbands. So we're equal. We're no better. 
We're no worse. We're equal. But God has clearly defined the roles that the husbands and wives all play in a family. For husbands, it's being the leader. For wives, it's being the helper. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 is where we see this. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, he didn't say, I will make a leader just right for him. He didn't say, I will make a co-leader just right for him. He said, I will make a helper just right for him. Now, I struggle at sometimes, honestly, with allowing my wife to be my helper. I'll just put it out there. A lot of times it's my pride that gets in the way. I don't know if some of you other men struggle with that. That's just reality. But husbands, we've got to let our wives help us. It's what God gave them to us for. Wives, the emphasis today has mostly been on us husbands and how we are to listen and love. But let me just focus on you for just a little bit, okay? Some of you may be coming here and thought, I'm going to get out of this scot-free. It's Father's Day. It's going to be easy. I'm going to coast right through. No, I couldn't let that happen. Let me just say that one of the best ways that you, you wives can help your husbands is by encouraging us. Encourage us. Shouldering the responsibility to lead is tough at times, and there's a lot of pressure. I can hear encouragement from a number of people, and it is good. But when it comes from my wife, it's on a whole new level because she can speak to me in a way no one else can because she knows me better than anyone else can. So I just want to encourage you, wives. Encourage your husbands. Also, wives complete not compete with their husbands. They complete, not compete with their husbands. This is extremely important. Too often there is friction in a family because of this right here. And this also started with the first sin in the Garden of Eden. After Eve ate the fruit, God confronts her and says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, it says, And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. There's been this tension. There's been this tug of war going on for control and for making decisions ever since. Wives, God specifically designed you to be your husband's helper. Now, let me illustrate all of this for you by showing this to you. This is the biblical order of the family. You've got Jesus as the head, the husband, subordinate to Jesus, He is the spiritual leader of his family. He's to provide for his family. He's to love his wife like Christ loved the church. That is the husband's responsibility. Then comes the wife. And the wife is subordinate to the husband. She is to submit to him. She is to be the helper to her husband. She's to raise godly children. That's a mutual thing. That's not just her responsibility. And then lastly, she's to submit to her husband's authority. That's the biblical order of the family. Yet when you look out in the world today... They've got this all wrong, don't they? I would say that the biggest problem for the family today is the failure of men to lead. When men fail to lead in the family, women will naturally try to fill this void. And it's not what God intended. This is what creates all kinds of problems. And the greatest problem and the greatest enemy to leadership is passivity. It's passivity. It's when men don't do anything. They're passive. And this causes all kinds of chaos. Passivity is caused by laziness, 
indifference, or even ignorance. Now let's go back to the Garden of Eden again because, man, that is where everything started. Men, we really have got to understand this. God was very clear to Adam about what tree he was not to eat from. And sure, it was Eve who ate the forbidden fruit first. Sure, it was the serpent who deceived her. Yes, we know that. Many of us have heard that story over and over again. But listen, do you know that when Eve took that fruit and ate it, where was Adam? He was right there with her, wasn't he? Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says, And then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. So here's the deal. Adam was with Eve the whole time. He was with Eve when that serpent slithered up to her and started to try to tempt her. He was with her when she stared at that forbidden fruit and she saw that it was good and she wanted it. And he was with her when she took the first bite. And guess what? He did absolutely nothing. He stood right there and let all of this happen. That's being passive. He could have grabbed that snake by the neck and he could have crushed him right then and there. Right? Could have done that. He could have said, Eve, don't you remember what God said that we're not to eat from that? He could have grabbed that fruit out of her hand and said, no, honey, we're not eating that fruit. But he did nothing. And that's my point. Men, when we're passive, when we do nothing, chaos happens. When our child is acting up and needs discipline and we just let it happen and do nothing. When, some, when something comes on the TV that is inappropriate and we do nothing. When your wife is desperate for your help with the kids and we do nothing. You see, passivity is a silent killer, men. It destroys everything in its path. Men, we are the protector and leader of our homes. We can't outsource our responsibilities to our wives. Wives, you shouldn't nag your husbands either. Okay? It's a blessing, to, right, to the family when wives don't do that. I don't need to quote all the scripture about what it means to have a nagging wife. You guys know what that is. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, it is. It's a constant drip. Exactly. Exactly. When the family operates in the way God intended with the man as the head and the woman as the helper, the family's going to thrive. Men, Jesus gave us the ultimate example on how to lead. Men, we lead to serve. We lead to serve. When our leadership comes from a heart of service, it's a blessing to the family. Jesus laid down his life for the church, and men, we are to lay down our lives for our wives and for our family, and we are to serve them. We know that the word of God says that he didn't come to be served, right? He came to serve. And he specifically gave all his disciples that illustration, that example, the night before he was crucified. So we lead to serve. Now, three things a father must do. We must love, we must listen, and we must lead. It's critical that we as men get this in the right order. We love first, we listen second, and we lead third. If we get these out of order, there's going to be problems. We don't want problems in our marriages. We don't want problems in our home. So let me illustrate it this way. Some of you might remember when you were a kid, you had this spinning top. How many have had one of those? Those wooden things with all the colors? Yeah. It was pretty cool how you could just pull on it and that thing would spin perfectly balanced. 
I love that. So let me use that as an illustration here. If you have the fear of the Lord as your foundation, and you've got this spinning top that's perfectly balanced right on love, and you've got listen on the left, you've got lead on the right, everything's in balance, right? That's what we're going for right there. If we're loving, we're listening, and we're leading correctly, everything's in balance, and our family is thriving. But if we lead heavily without much listening, then this is what happens. That spinning top falls over. It's heavy on this side. It's no longer balanced anymore. That's going to create all kinds of problems. The same is true if we listen too much, we listen to the world, or we become passive, then the same thing's going to happen. So what we really want to do is we want to love, we want to listen, and we want to lead with the fear of the Lord as our foundation. And when we do that, everything is in balance, and our family will thrive. Jesus came to bring us an abundant life because we have a good Father in heaven. And the key to this abundant life is the fear of the Lord. So I want to end today right where we started. Psalm 128, verses 1 through 4. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine, flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. These verses are the key to the abundant life that Jesus promised to us in John chapter 10, verse 10. And it all starts and ends with the fear of the Lord. Fathers, if we want to experience an abundant life, then we must model the fear of the Lord by loving, listening, and leading. Success for the family doesn't start in the White House. It starts in your house. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have the ultimate example and what a father is and what a father means, all of it, in you. You are a good, good father. And we praise you for what you've done for us. You've loved us in spite of all the things that we've done and all the things that we've said. You see it all, and yet you still love us. I know sometimes I get frustrated, Lord, and I look around and I see the sin that's in this world and I get impatient. But I know that your love tells us, right? It tells us in your word that you're not slow. You just don't want anyone to perish. And I thank you that you are long-suffering like that. And I thank you for the stories of those who maybe at the twilight of their lives, like what we're seeing right now with Janet's father, having the opportunity to come to you because you're such a good, good father. I pray, Lord God, that you would just minister to our souls right now, that you'd fill us with your spirit, remind us of how we're to live this life in the fear of the Lord. We thank you, Father, that you're a good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you to please be here next week because we're concluding our Fear of the Lord series next week, and I'm super excited for what God's going to do next Sunday, as I am every week. So thank you for being here. God bless you. Happy Father's Day.